0: Hello, Uh, you're listening to Periods. Um, It's late, but sometimes your period is as well, so I guess I'm still on brand. Um, Today, you're meeting the Kardashians of the 1930s. Today we're meeting the Mitfords, who are um, celebrities of their time. They have a front row seat to all of the major events of the early 20th century you can actually kind of play bingo they are related to Winston Churchill they are part of the aristocracy we have a Nazi a fascist and a communist we have someone who marries a Duke we have a brother who dies at war we have passenger flight, we have literary success and the young quick bright things who were socialites of their time. Um, And so I think they're a very interesting little biome which you can use as um, a metaphor for the rest of British society. In many ways, they represent the political polarity of Britain at this point because I think there's this kind of perception that fascism was just Hitler, and it's not true at all. Every single f- European state was facing a similar, less obviously, much less uh, extreme, but communism and fascism were still very much alive in Britain. Um, and in fact a lot of people supported fascism until Hitler tainted it which is something you do need to remember when you hear all this stuff about we destroyed Hitler Uh, we beat fascism it's like (laughs) the MI5 was, was supportive of fascism give or take you know a couple of formalities so yeah they are in many ways a very interesting family to look at and also what I found really interesting was because you think of like the early 20th century and women and politics and you immediately go ah the suffragettes but actually it didn't just stop after that like it didn't it wasn't just a century gap before I don't know no not century so like 50 year gap between women get the vote and Margaret Thatcher becomes prime minister. Because women were involved in politics. Um, I particularly find uh, Unity's involvement really interesting. Because she essentially gets really high up um, in the Nazi state. Which is a misogynist state in itself. So yeah, that's a very interesting thing to look at as well. And just also these girls are super cool, in my opinion. They are frequently described as witty and beautiful and independent. Which which is what we love to hear. So, um, I really hope you enjoy this. Um, I'll have some notes at the end as well, just to look back on what we've learned and how we can extend that across um, the 1930s and Britain's history as a whole. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy. It's split up into sisters if you're just interested in one or two. Um, It's much longer than I usually do one, but I just wanted to get everything in. So. Here we go. So let's meet the Mitfords. Um, There are seven of them in total. We have Nancy, Pamela, Diana, Unity, Decker, and Debo, and their brother Tom. Uh, Tom Sally dies in the Second World War, and he wasn't a You know, he wasn't really a character anyway. Probably quite a lot like his father. So I think let's start with the parents. Um, Sydney met David when she was 14 and he was 17. And straight away she was like, oh God, he's so, he's so cool. Um, They were family friends. um, And I think David had just finished school at this point. Um, and he was going to go off and be a tea planter. He had always wanted to be in the military, but he was the second son. So his parents like didn't really sort that out for him. And he wasn't great at school either. So he really struggled at first to get a career. Um, and he ended up hating tea planting. But they don't get together. I mean, she's still quite young, Sydney, at the time. She's still dressing her like kids' clothes. Her father didn't, because her mother died when they were very young, Their father didn't really get it Um, and Sydney was like 14 at this time and she was already in charge of their household. Um, And she did a pretty good job, um, although she always struggled to control the male staff because they just didn't respect her. Um, And since that point, she never hires male staff again. When she has the kids, she only hires female staff. Uh, just because she really struggled when she was so young, bless her. She spent a lot of her childhood, actually, on a boat, uh, because her father had a yacht, um, which they used to go on each summer in France. Um, And also when it was elections, because he was a politician, they'd go around on the yacht. I don't really get that part. Like, that's his campaign on a yacht. I guess it's like the Brexit bus. I still... The concept is so strange though, because we're not, like, obviously England's an island, but he's, is he going down the Thames? We'll just gloss over that one. I think she's got like sisters, no brothers, so, and he's got no sisters, I think. Um, yeah, so they don't get together straight away, and Sydney's gorgeous. She's She's quite tall, very elegant, very funny. Um, And she's very sociable. She loves meeting new people. Um, And she, during her youth, she falls in love quite a few times. She falls in love with her figure skater teacher. And she also falls in love with a man who dies in the Boer War, um, which is very, which is obviously very sad. Um, And this is where we kind of, they kind of come together again um, because... Uh so David's been working as a tea planter in Africa um, and he's not really liking it. And then he sees that there's some trouble um between South Africans and the British and he's like, this is my chance to get into the army, essentially. And then he joins the Boer War as well, and he gets injured. Um and I think his wound gets infected and it's really horrible, but he survives. Um and he writes a letter to Sydney. And that's the first contact that we know of, but they, the content of the letter suggests they've been writing for a while. Um and she's obviously really sympathetic with for him because she's just lost her her boyfriend in the same war. So obviously she's gonna want to look after a man coming back injured from there. And that's when they get that's when they get together. Um I think they end up getting married ten years after they first meet. So it's a real kind of childhood romance. Um so they don't have a lot of money, unfortunately, um, but they fall in love. That's basically what happens. They really love each other. They're both quite funny, both very attractive. Um, and there's a story about when David goes to ask Sydney for, Sydney's father for her hand in marriage. He says, what are you going to support her with? Because he doesn't have a great job. They've got about £400 a year, which is obviously more then. But for the people they were... And like the people who they need, that was very little. Like he, yeah, did, he didn't really have any way to support her. And yeah, the, the father goes, "Well, how are you going to support my daughter?" And he goes, "Well, I've got four hundred quid." And then he held up his like fairly large hands, and I guess I will use these. Um, and that's what Sydney falls for really—that personality. She, he's much more quiet than she is. Um, and Nancy always says that. Um, her mother should have married someone more sociable. But they, they seem very happy. Um, David gets a job in her father's magazine, which um, I think it's a women's magazine, so it's not really David's thing. But he kind of gets on with it. He'd prefer to be outside. He's very outdoorsy. Nancy bases her character Uncle Matthew off her father. But he obviously like gets on with it and... I don't think the dad would have hired him unless like, he was quite good at his job. But, um, so he's working there and Sydney is at home and she's still running, she's running their household now. Um, and they, she has a interesting way of going about it. So obviously, as I've said, they only hired female staff, but she also got rid of the linen napkins because they were so difficult to launder. So she's quite um, forward thinking um, and, They've also also got to work with what they've got. Um, they do have quite a small staff. Five people sounds like a lot now, but um, compared to like their contemporaries, they were quite they were, they were quite frugal, I would say. Um, the girls go through like some governesses and nannies until they finally get Nanny Blore, who becomes part of the family, basically. Uh, she is very well loved by the girls. For long after um, her term, uh, she's actually really disappointed when she doesn't have any girls, boys. Nancy, she cries every time she gives birth to a girl, which is not a nice experience for the child. But it just—I guess—it just shows what society was like at that point, because you kind of need a—you kind of need a, a match. So she must have been absolutely, oh. She she would have taken Thomas's death very badly, because uh, he does die when he's very young, unfortunately, uh, right at the end of Second World War. Um, and obviously, like compared to nowadays, they are quite offhanded with their relationship with their kids, less so than probably other families. Um, but you know they don't really spend much time with them, so the girls are kind of free to like. Do what they want and that's I think how they become so independent. So yeah I think that's an important background. Their father is quite, he's very funny, quite eccentric um, and quite quiet as well, whereas their mother is very sociable, um, witty, quite dry sense of humour um, and very well organised and quite cold the girls feel. They never really like her which is quite sad and i think their upbringing does definitely influence the way they come across um as you will see First up, we have Nancy, and quite surprisingly for an older sister, I think, uh, she's the artistic one. Um, she's the literary success. Um, she starts um, out in her career by reviewing children's books for Observer, um, and then she starts writing her own stories, which are far school novels on the upper classes. Um, her most famous one, which is kind of her breakthrough, was Pursuit of Love. Uh, and she followed that with love in a cold climate. And these were thinly veiled accounts of her own family. Um, I think that's kind of when everyone starts getting a bit obsessed with the Mitfords. She is definitely overshadowed by her younger sister's politics. Um, they become much bigger names than her. But she definitely... It's like a cult following, which you which you get, if you see what I mean. Um, she's never really... One of the big names on the scene, um, she's on the fringe of the bright young things, which is the name for the bohemian young socialites in London, who are basically Britain's answer to Paris's mod- modernism. Um, so you've got, you know, Ernest Hemingway, Virginia Woolf, Evelyn Waugh, who uh, actually Nancy's work often gets uh compared to Evelyn's because they both have very similar themes which is you know the decline of the aristocracy um post-world War one Arcadia which is this belief that we're moving on to this new state um and the aristocracy is being left behind that fear of change and social mobility um so it's not surprising that when she's you know Mixing with these people, she, um, well, she came to be a socialist. Lots of people would debunk that because she was seen as a snob, to put it bluntly. That was a lot of the criticism she got for her work, much like Evelyn Ward did for, um, Briar's Head Revisited. Um, that she is just a snob talking about other snobs, um. And she, to be fair, you know, she plays around, she joins Blackshirt, she doesn't really know what she wants to do. Um, one of the reasons why she is fairly like to be a socialist is that she ends up having an affair with Gaston Pawelsky, um, who was Charles de Gaulle I never know how to pronounce French names on hits. very embarrassing. Um his right-hand man. Charles is basically the head of the Free French Forces who fought against Nazi Germany. So, yeah, she's definitely not a raging Nazi like some of her sisters were. Um, Whether she's a committed socialist is unsure. But, yeah, when she goes to Paris, though, she's living her best life, to be fair to her. Like, she's wearing Dior. She's having this, like, kind of failed affair... kind of romance. um, Yeah, I would, out of all of them, I would probably like to be like Nancy. Next in line we have Pamela, and Pamela is boring. Like, compared to everyone else, she is a bit boring. Um, She gets married to a scientist billionaire. He also is slightly fascist, but you can't have everything. she just settles down in a nice house in the countryside, she rears some animals, uh, she gardens, farms, and I'm not going to lie, if you were in that household with that many girls who are all really opinionated, one of you is just going to be like, oh, do you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. Because I imagine them having a lot of like arguments at the dinner table, and Pamela's probably just like, I don't, I don't really care um so she just she just sits it out she doesn't really like the limelight anyway um one thing she does do which is pretty cool is she is the first woman on a transatlantic passenger flight which is so cool um and that's the thing like even if they weren't like so say pamela wasn't really involved in like, the politics or the arts uh, art spheres, she's still like because of the social class she is and the people she knows, she's still at the forefront of all these like pioneering things which go on in the interwar period. Nancy uh, once writes that Pam- in a family of black sheep, Pamela was the bar sheep, which is such a funny image. Um, but I just had to add this in. Um, Despite the fact, you know, everyone says, oh, nothing was really said about her, that she's just like unassuming, like pretty traditional, all of this. She had a long term female companion in the later years of her life. Um, This just like reaffirms my opinion of her as just being like, she's just unbothered. She's just doing what she wants. our first fascist oh yes it's Diana Um, originally she marries Mr. Guinness um, the Lord of Moyne who I believe was um, in the family who owned uh, the beer is it a beer? Yeah. The beer or the lager? I can't remember. Guinness, you know what I mean, um, as well as owning a distillery. So that's exciting. Um, they had a lot of money and that meant they had a lot of venues to host fabulous parties. So she was much more part of the socialite group than Nancy was. Um, Evelyn Ward describes her beauty as a peel of bells. Um, from a party that he goes to at one of her houses, and I think it is through all this hosting and socialising that she does in her early married life that she first meets Oswald Molesley, and she falls head over heels for him, and to be fair, if he looks anything like that actor in Peaky Blinders, who can blame her, am I right? Um, And I don't know whether she's already got these quite um, strong beliefs, but he definitely must have affected, you know, her politics because she ends up being a very loud fascist for the rest of her life. Um unfortunately, although that they um start an affair at this point, um, Diana actually leaves um her husband and the hus- husband her husband and their very comfortable life together, um, she moves into a little house with I think she's got like a maid and a butler, like hardly any staff which she's used to, just around the corner from Mosley's flat. Um, but Oswald will not leave his wife. Um, so she is kind of pining there. Still having an affair with her, obviously. That would be silly, wouldn't it? I'm not leaving my wife, but I will have relations with you, obviously. What a nice guy. Um until Cynthia dies in 1933. Um, she has a very sudden turn um, and dies, and he is quite distraught. To be fair to him, he is quite upset, although that doesn't stop him from having a fling with her younger sister not long after, as well as continuing with Diane, um, Diana. Eventually, he they do get married, um, and they Get a flat in Berlin, I believe. The guest of honor is Hitler, um, and they want to set up a radio station in Germany um, that will, uh, what was gonna say? It'll Have lots of like pop music that isn't played on BBC, so to basically be their BBC's rival, and they would make take this money to fund the BUF, which is obviously Oswald Mosley's party. Um, they do actually end up setting that up, but the war cripples mostly in the end. Um, and then I believe they're both imprisoned. But other than that, they're pretty, they were pretty happy together. Um, and she stuck to her beliefs, however um, untimely it was. Even in like the 1990s and in interviews, she was never, she was unrepenting for, um, the associations she was part of in her youth um the people she bef- she befriended um she stuck to her she stuck by her husband until she died um and i think he did like love her too but she was she was obsessed with him um which i found quite interesting actually because you look at these six sisters and they seem very strong and very independent, but she was besotted. Um, yeah, which kind of makes it quite sad. And I think what makes it even worse is that her sisters don't have her back on this one. Uh, like, when she's like, out, basically out on the streets, living in sin, the press are reporting it, like everyone knows that her and Mosley are hooking up, and her parents obviously not happy, but her friends her sisters don't like him at all. Nancy like comes round. They are I think they're estranged until like the late 40s. It's kind of difficult though because Nancy's with a socialist and Diana's with literally the head of the British Union of Fascists. So that's not going to be easy at a dinner table. Pam, lovely Pam, um and Derek, they quite like Mosley. Derek um likes some of his uh, ideas. So that's, that's lovely for them. I can't imagine Pam. I feel like if Pam didn't like him, then she just put up with it anyway. I don't think she's very confrontational. Um, Jessica, meanwhile, detest, detests the man. Absolutely hates him. Um, Unity, well, Unity's also a fascist, so they probably had a lot to talk about. Deborah, the youngest, uh, I think they I think they sort it out eventually but it doesn't set off on a they don't set off on a good foot uh, it's fair to say Jess and Diana never really become as close as they were interestingly um so Jess is a communist um and I'll talk more about her la- later she's got a very interesting story um she forgives unity who it's very, becomes very close to Hitler, prefers Hitler to Mosley, and never got on as well with Diana, despite the fact that she's kind of, yes, she's a fascist, but she, she doesn't see him as zealous as Unity was. So that brings us to Unity Valkyrie, who clearly very much looks up to her sister Diana. Um, you know how like a teenager gets into something like, I don't know, a band or maybe One Direction? Um, Unity gets really into Nazism as a young girl. Um, she joins the Black Shirts, where basically she marches through Hyde Park in a black shirt and across communists. Um, and I'm guessing everyone's kind of like, oh, it's a phase. Let the girl have some fun. And then she moves to Germany when she's 19 because she wants to meet Hitler. And everyone's like, whoa, this one's a, like a crazy fan. Um, and she learns his favourite restaurant and sits there like every day for 10 months trying to catch his attention. Um, like she's She's desperate to meet him. He is her absolute hero. Eventually, uh, he calls her over, and they really get on. Um, he really likes her. He can't he can't really get over her mother named outcry, um, and she's you know she's educated. She's also very interested in what he does, so it's probably quite flattering for him. Um, and yeah, he really takes a shining to her so much so that his long term girlfriend. Eva Braun gets quite jealous um, because suddenly this English girl is coming to all the parties, um, meeting all of Adolf's friends. Um, He even buys her, or at least offers to buy her, an apartment in Munich, which is, yeah, I can can understand Eva's jealousy there. Um, But one of the people um, that he introduces her to is Julius Stryker, who is the publisher of the anti-semitic newspaper Der Stierme. Um and she offers to write a very violently anti-Jew diatribe in which she writes, I want you to publish my name in full so everyone knows that I am a Jew hater. Bearing in mind that they were, that she grew up eating kosher, it's quite interesting, um, But yeah, you can see how zealous she is um, uh, and how much she believes in the Nazi cause. Um, She doesn't talk politics that much with Hitler. Uh, I don't know who from either side doesn't like it. I guess they like keeping their relationship very... I don't know. I guess it's outside of all that, you know, work. Um, But she does keep trying to push the um narrative that you know you know britain and germany can get on like we can we can be on the same side we don't have to go to war all of this meanwhile um the british intelligence services have seen what she's writing and what she's doing and they're like she is out of control like this is not you know sir mitford's daughter you know messing around a bit it's like, oh, okay. We need to. She need, We need to rein her in. Uh, but obviously, everything's going on. We can't really deal with her at the moment. And then, Britain and France declare war on Germany after Germany invaded Poland in the September of 1939. And it's fair to say that Unity is upset. Um, she takes herself to a garden. She takes out the pistol. That Hitler bought her as a present, and she shoots herself in the head. However, she messed it up. Um, she failed to commit suicide, and she gets sent home. Um, and when she arrives back, everyone's like jesus like she looks terrible she's lost two stone she's got this matted hair which hasn't been brushed and she shot herself uh she's got huge eyes um she's just not in a good state and i think she might have had brain damage as well because she spent a lot she spent basically the next nine years in rehabilitation um in the uk and she eventually dies when her wound gets infected in 1948. But because she was in um, a maternity hospital, there was a rumor started by uh, the niece of someone who worked there that she she was pregnant um, and that Hitler's baby was now in the UK. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. Um, There's no evidence that her and Hitler were in a relationship it might just be a coincidence. All of the maternity files from that hospital were not, um, during the war period, they just didn't do any. I don't really know what, it doesn't really make any sense. That's the fishy bit, I think, that there are no records. Interesting. I understand admin's not your first port of call during a world war, but it is quite an interesting twist. Um, I'm sure she would have loved to have relations with him, but I don't know if that actually happened. Uh, But most people say, you know, her life, it was short and it was wasted. Um, No one really pities her. Her end, unfortunately, um, I say unfortunately, I haven't really found anything redeemable about unity. She just seems misguided and naive. I think that's what she is. Uh, And it's very interesting to compare how she ended up with her closest sister and long term rival, who is up next. And that brings us to Unity's equal and opposite, her sister Jessica, or Decker to her family and friends, who once said that for every swastika that Unity put up in their shared room, she would put up a hammer and sickle because Jessica was a communist, which I'm sure you can imagine was quite rare for an aristocrat. Um, they are on the right. It's not really surprising that. Um... But she was very clear from a young age that she rejected her upbringing and her lifestyle. She didn't reject her family, but she was happy to give up the the gold and the titles and all of this um, for her beliefs. Uh, She had a little piggy bank from when she was about 10, which was clearly labelled for When I Run Away. Um, And she gets her chance when Esmond Romilly returns from the Spanish Civil War. Esmond Romilly is actually their cousin, um, but the two fall in love, uh, which is weird, obviously. But she, he was the wrong cousin, basically. Um, Sydney, their mother, um, liked the Churchill cousins, who were related to Winston Churchill, but she didn't really like the Romillys because apparently their far her, nope, their mother was uh, what she calls them like a floozy She's off with several men, um, which Sydney does not approve of. Uh, So that's kind of the perfect, the perfect man for Jessica. If her parents disapprove, then off she goes. Um, So she goes to fight in the Spanish Civil War as part of the International Brigade. So, so yeah, so the International Brigade was basically these kind of left wing um, young people who came to support the Spanish side, the left Spanish side. Ultimately, um, their attempts fail. Um, and Franco wins the war, and he goes on to hold power in Spain for another about fifty years. I don't know how much fighting that Decca actually does because she's caught out by her parents for being at a party. <laughs> and then, um, An English diplomat comes to their hotel, her and Esmond's hotel in San Sebastian, which is the Basque country, which is North Spain, um, which sees similar separatism as Catalonia. And he's like, okay lovebirds, you've got to come home. Um, And she agrees, but she doesn't stay for long and she moves to the U.S. She has a child with Romilly, I believe, a daughter, um and she goes on to have a very fruitful career, continuing to fight for what she believes in, which is I think it shows that she's got a lot of commitment to what to her beliefs. Um, and she becomes involved in civil rights groups such as, you know, MLK and Malcolm X. Um, as well as, you know, there's a huge feminist um movement in the 70s, and there's there's a lot of progress which takes place in America. You wouldn't believe that now, but during that time, it's a very exciting time for someone like her who believes in um, the liberation of the people, essentially. She actually has a belated pop career, I believe. So she's got her fingers, her fingers, that's all right, fingers are not surprised, yeah. Um So yeah, I think it's very interesting to compare um, Jessica with Unity, as they end up having such different lives, um, right from the offset, really. And finally, we have Deborah, or Debo, to her family. Um, She's, like Pamela, a little bit boring. Not much happens. Um, There's a story about when, when they were kids, they were playing. Unity says, when I'm older, I'm going to be a fascist. And Jessica says, well, when I'm older, I'm going to be a communist. And Deborah says, well, when I'm older, I'm going to be a duchess. And I think that just tells you that manifestation is real. The laws of attraction exist um, because she does. She marries Lord Andrew Cavendish, who is very wealthy, very well connected. Indeed, um, the Cavendishes. Somewhere along the line, um, end up as the Kennedys, um, and JFK ends up becoming president of the United States. Uh, so yeah, when we say that these people are well connected, like they, it never it never ends. This is this when you know those conspiracy theories about the people in control of the world being lizards and this like underground network? It's times like this when I'm like, "Mm, possibly, because they do know everything. The Mitfords were practically running the world. There you go, you've met the Mitfords. Um, How brilliant! They are these beautiful, clever, independent, ambitious girls who go all across Europe and the globe um, and they meet men and they date them and they get married and they have a lovely, lovely time. And that's kind of the kicker, isn't it? Because this family, this group of girls. They don't really get any, how can you describe it, there are no repercussions for their actions. Like Decca runs off to Spain and her parents just call her back and that's fine. And Unity just goes to Germany because she thinks she'll find Hitler and Nancy oh i'm a socialist oh i'm a fascist i don't really know they're just like young wealthy people who can kind of do whatever they want but something quite performative about it which is the darker side it's very much like now today i suppose because co- i'd make the comparison you know when someone posts something on their instagram story about you know black lives matter the crime- the climate crisis, um, or about, I don't know, women's problems. That's great, obviously. Like, we need to get stuff out there. But are you doing more than posting an infographic, which looks nice? And that's the real kicker here, I think, because there are some similarities you can take from today's performativity on social media compared to 1930 socialites. How far did they really believe what they were thinking? And I don't want to say that, I think it, I'm not trying to criticize them because they're young teenage girls. Because I think there's so much of that about, well, young girls can't enjoy things or be passionate about something serious because they can, absolutely. But they don't get any consequences for their actions. I know Unity obviously tries to commit suicide and that's the worst thing which can happen to anyone. But they're kind of allowed to do whatever they want and they have the freedom and the money to pursue things which not many other people can do and that's why that's why they have all these things which they're involved with that's why you can play bingo with their lives in terms of the interwar period because they have money and they have connections and no one else had that door open because they are rich. They are rich and they are aristocrats and they are living at the top of British society. They do not r- represent British society as a whole. and um, I don't want to leave this podcast without making that very, very clear.